Good evening, folks, and a hearty welcome to our drive-in theater. We just want you to enjoy yourselves. A gay, pleasant evening for all. Oh, a word of caution. Mom or Pop, go with the kids when they leave the car. We hope you have a wonderful time. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, Welcome to the Dead Zone. Welcome back, all you late-night weirdos. That's Danny over there. I'm Whitney. And this is the Dead Zone Screening Room. Hello. Well, hello. What's up? Well, you know, you sound great. Thank you so much. (laughs) Have you done something a little different? I um, took some time off. I went and got some vocal surgery, and um, I'm doing better. All right. Well, I mean, you had a lovely voice. Uh, uh, I was just saying that the sound in general yeah is is so much better yeah all of that was a lie I didn't do any of that we had um (laughs) I thought maybe you got a haircut I did do that actually fun fact you did it's adorable thank you so much I shaved a lot of my hair because that's who I am now and that's what the world has done to me and it's fun I like it that's not really what happened last week though last week we had um computer issues our computer decided not to be a computer yeah it said no more and um, so we took that as a sign to obviously get a new computer because what are we going to do with a brick that does nothing? You can't <laughs> podcast on that. It's a very thin brick. <laughs> and uh, so we decided to take that and uh, really dive head first in. And that meant for us to upgrade our equipment. So we're doing this for the first time on brand new mics and of course we have our, our new computer. It's all set up. We're on our new mics and yeah, we could really... At least personally, we we tested everything out as soon as everything arrived. And pretty quickly, we were like, oh, we can tell a huge difference. So we're really hoping that translates to the listeners as well, that they can uh, tell a difference in the sound, hopefully. Yeah, you know, we always want to strive to improve and get better. And unfortunately, sometimes that takes money. So it takes (laughs) a while to get there. Uh, But whenever it's possible, yeah, I I think this is a, a welcome addition and I certainly hope that our listeners are, are reaping the benefits of, of not having to listen to us sound like we're recording in a well. Yeah, that's always uh, a big plus. But it kind of fits in with the whole horror movie thing. So that is true. Yeah, well <laughs> <laughs> So of course since we were gone for a week, we thought we'd make up for it by doing a little giveaway. So if you are a listener of Creepy Caffeine, you know every once in a while we have an opportunity to give away free copies of a movie but this time I mean we've done good movies in the past but I'm not kidding this is a phenomenal movie it is the Academy Award nominated Promising Young Woman and Focus Features has provided us with five copies for us to give away to you so you can now dive deeper into the critically acclaimed and wildly entertaining Promising Young Woman now nominated for five Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Actress Carrie Mulligan. Don't miss the Rotten Tomatoes certified fresh film that critics are calling a game-changing masterpiece, now with exclusive bonus content that takes you behind the scenes of the edge-of-your-seat story with the cast and writer-director Emerald Fennell. Bring home the film everyone is talking about on digital Blu-ray and DVD today. 
And because we love you guys so much, you might get to bring home a free copy by entering our giveaway. And how we usually handle these things is on social media. We will post the details about how to enter, and then you can enter through the different posts. Um, more than likely, this will be posted on Facebook and Instagram only, and the post will be posted on Monday the 22nd. So keep an eye on your Facebook and Instagram. If you follow us on there, it's just Dead Zone Drive-In on both. Um, I will be posting on that day with details on how to enter, and the giveaway will be open for that week, and then next episode we'll announce the winners. And yeah, get a copy of Promising Young Woman sent your way. We're really excited. This is a movie I've had on my list for a really long time. So when we got the opportunity to see it and then send it to you guys, we were so grateful because we really, really enjoyed this movie. So we hope that you enjoy it as well. And we're excited that we get to give these away to you guys. Yeah. And then when they just announced the nominations for the Academy Awards and saw that it was nominated, we just could not have been more excited and more grateful that we've been given this opportunity to share this movie with you. Yeah, yeah. So again, on the 22nd, Monday, keep an eye on your Instagram and your Facebook for posts from me about how to enter for the giveaway to win a free copy of Promising Young Woman. All right. Well, if you're new here, just to recap, a few months ago, Danny and I inherited a traveling drive-in theater and were told to watch horror movies of our choosing to figure out what we wanted to add to the theater's vault and what to leave behind in the dead zone. The only other rule is to never be late opening the drive-in for those who are able to find us because, oh yeah, the theater moves around and it's never in the same place twice and it's a mystery as to where it'll show up next. But if you can use your knowledge of horror and follow the clues in each episode, you might be able to figure out where the drive-in will show up next. So starting this podcast, we were kind of in a quandary because, you know, what what movies do you start with? Do you mm -hmm. just start with your favorites? Do you start with the most well-known? What do we do? So for our first movies, we're going with the classics and have deferred to one of the definitive names in horror culture and are using online horror magazine Bloody Disgusting's list of best horror movies of all time. And this week, we're doing another classic. Yeah. The yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes, a, a, such a good one. I was so excited. I mean, it's a classic for a reason. Yeah, it's one of those that's, you know, infamous for a reason because it's very, it, it can get gory, it's gross, it's ridiculous, but it's also just, it's, it's ridiculous and stupid and fun just because of how over the top it is. Uh, so it's one of those that I, I've seen multiple times. It never gets old to me. Uh, so I was excited to see it again it was it was one of those that I was like perfect yes I would like to see that movie again sign me up <laughs> yeah absolutely and you know everybody always remembers this as just this ridiculously gory over-the-top horror film and it really wasn't uh I'll explain a little bit more about that when I cover the wiki so let's just go ahead and just jump right into it I'm excited yeah, I'm excited. Uh, and of course, as usual, now's the time uh, that we should preface that our podcast is one of those that we're going to sit here and talk about everything. So that includes every single detail. So we're not going to tiptoe around spoilers or anything. So if you haven't seen this movie, first off, how come? <laughs> Why? What's going on? We're not judging. You've just, you've missed something special. You have. And so I need you to maybe pause this and i understand maybe it's a little too graphic for you go watch the trailer for me at least maybe that anyways spoiler warning 
everything's going to be talked about here. So if you haven't seen it and you want to see it before we talk about it, now's the time to stop, go watch it, and then come back, hang out with us while we talk about it. And of course, if it's just too much, we're going to break it all down for you anyway. Yeah. All right. So let's get to the wiki. So the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's a 1974 American slasher film directed by Toby Hooper and written and co-produced by Hooper and Kim Henkel. It stars Marilyn Burns, Paul A. Partain, Edwin Neal, Jim Seidel, and Gunnar Hansen, who respectively play Sally Hardesty, Franklin Hardesty, the hitchhiker, the proprietor, and Leatherface himself. The film follows a group of friends who fall victim to a family of cannibals while on their way to visit an old homestead. The film was marketed as being based on true events to attract a wider audience and to act as a subtle commentary on the area's political climate, although the character of Leatherface and minor story details were inspired by the crimes of murder Ed Gein, its plot is largely fictional. Hooper produced the film for less than $140,000 and used a cast of relatively unknown actors drawn mainly from Central Texas where the film was shot. The limited budget forced Hooper to film for long hours seven days a week so that he could finish as quickly as possible and reduce equipment rental costs. Due to the film's violent content, Hooper struggled to find a distributor, but it was eventually acquired by Louis Pirano of Bryanston Distributing Company. Hooper limited the quantity of on-screen gore in hopes of securing a PG rating. Can you imagine no. this movie having a PG rating? No, not at all. But the Motion Picture Association of America rated it R. In fact, they actually gave it several X ratings until Hooper cut it enough that they finally let it through with an R. Uh, and the film faced similar difficulties internationally. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre was banned in several countries, and numerous theaters stopped showing the film in response to complaints about its violence. While it initially drew a mixed reception from critics, it was highly profitable, grossing over $30 million at the domestic box office, equivalent with roughly over $150 million as of 2019. It has since gained a reputation as one of the best and most influential horror films. It is credited with originating several elements common in the slasher genre, including the use of power tools as murder weapons, the characterization of the killer as a large, hulking, faceless figure, and the killing of victims. I feel like all four horror movies yeah. cover that. But this know. one really did it. It it really they were did. Like, they were like dead, dead. You know what I mean? Like it really killed the people. Yeah. They All these like... actors no longer are living. <laughs> yeah. It was actually a, just a huge <laughs> film we were all watching. Toby Hooper is a mass murderer and is in jail now, but yeah. he got a fantastic mm -hmm. film out of it. Mm -hmm. The budget was great. So <laughs> nice and cheap. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, yeah. Uh... Good on him. <laughs> It has led to a franchise that continued the story of Leatherface and his family through sequels, prequels, a remake, comic books, and video games. None of the others were good because they didn't actually kill the victims. <laughs> Just let them live and walk yeah. around. What the hell kind of horror movie is this? It was really bizarre, but... Yeah, none of the other sequels or prequels actually uh, were very good. Of course, you have the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, which came out in like the mid-90s. It actually had Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey in it. And he is just an outright 
nutter in that mm-hmm. movie. He is crazy. But it was still just a, a terrible movie. Yeah. Now, the remake they did in 2003, not going to hate on it. Yeah, I actually did enjoy that one. I, I thought it was really well done mm-hmm. and has one of the most amazing camera shots ever yeah. in a horror film. And, I mean, we spoil everything, so I'm going to go ahead and say it. If you haven't seen the remake, there's an amazing shot <laughs> where uh, a woman in the back of the van shoots herself in the head. Yes. Uh, and, of course, the rest of the young people in the van start freaking out and screaming. And, and it's a shot of them screaming. And the camera pulls back through the woman's head. Yeah, that happened. It was awesome. Yeah, it was very interesting. But, of course, that's not this movie. No, it is not. But it, both have Leatherface and both kill the victims. <laughs> they both do. They so. both have the killing down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's get to it. Let's get to it. Do you want me to read you the synopsis? I would love to hear a synopsis. All right. Just in case I forgot from when we watched it the other night. Okay, good. How it goes. Yeah. So the synopsis of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is, when Sally hears that her grandfather's grave may have been vandalized, she and her paraplegic brother, Franklin, set out with their friends to investigate. After a detour to the family's old farmhouse, they discover a group of crazed, murderous outcasts living next door. As the group is attacked one by one by the chainsaw-wielding Leatherface, who wears a mask of human skin, the survivors must do everything they can to escape. And here we go. And here we go. All right, so our movie starts, and we're starting out with, like, ascending credits. It's almost like a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, mm-hmm. Leatherface killed some folk, mm-hmm. and this is a true story. Yeah. That's basically what the opening crawl says it's scarier than star wars for sure (laughs) just a little bit different but it might have added a little something something if he had like a lightsaber chainsaw oh yeah that would have been a little bit cooler for sure that'd be some full-on rave shit some like leather face in the dark scenes yeah all you see is like light up chainsaw for sure for sure yeah so we have this narration telling you that this is all based on a true story which is all a lie. Uh, (laughs) But it's actually narrated by the actor John Larroquette. And people my age will probably remember him. He had his own show for a while, but he, uh, most people know him for his role on Night Court. He played kind of a a smarmy lawyer uh, and it was a a comedy and he got a spinoff and it was the John Larroquette show. But anyway, he, he is actually doing the narration and reading the opening crawl and uh, you want to know what his payment was for doing that narration? What's that? A joint. Well, I, it doesn't seem like bad payment. <laughs> I mean, it must have been a pretty good strain. Yeah, that's very true. That is really bizarre. I mean, was I don't understand why. How did that? Well, how did that work? Well, you know, though? Toby, he's trying to do this on a shoestring budget. Mm-hmm. He needs to get this done as cheaply as possible. I'm sure. He knew him, they had worked together, or he knew someone and said, hey, come in, do this for me. I'll hook you up with a dube. Mm-hmm. You, you just got to read this thing. It'll take you like five minutes. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, cool, man. I can talk. I can do that. I can dig it. I can talk and smoke. So sure. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> so next we have some uh, just uh, our crazy stuff. There's digging going on, and we already hear that famous camera flash. Mm-hmm. That very that you know, <laughs> and it builds back up. Yeah, I, I can't even do it. But 
and it's showing some very gruesome images. Mm-hmm. It, it almost reminds me, even though it's completely different, <laughs> but it somehow reminds me of the opening to Seven. Okay. We're just getting these flash images yeah. of things that are really unsettling. It's mm-hmm. just meant to unnerve you. Yeah. And this movie does a phenomenal job at just making you feel on edge the entire time. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I wrote down in my notes was just from the very beginning they set a very nice tone that this is creepy from the get-go like you said from the very beginning second of that scroll we're talking about based on true events and then we have these horrific images and then yeah that the camera flashing sounds while now they've become pretty much synonymous with the texas chainsaw movie the sounds themselves after a while they do kind of become creepy and so yeah i feel like that's one um, one of many things that this movie does really well is set the tone pretty immediately that Mm -hmm. this is going to be a creepy ass movie and i think it does it really well well here right up front we probably have just about the goriest thing that you're going to see in this movie and that's this really amazing makeup effect of these two corpses which look like maybe they've been fused together Basically, what's happening is you're hearing news reports. You're seeing these crime scene photos. The police are investigating a, a cemetery, a mm-hmm. graveyard. And you can hear from these reports that someone has been robbing these graves and doing things with the bodies. They're not necessarily just stealing them. Sometimes they rearrange them in works of art, question mark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... In this particular scene, it's really effective. It lets you know right up front there's bad shit going on. Stone ass John Larroquette has come on and told us that this is a true story. Mm-hmm. We're already freaking out. Yeah. And we're like asking ourselves, is this one of those movies? Do they actually kill the victims? Because <laughs> this is not what I signed up for. I thought this was rated PG. And now I'm seeing this creepy image off the top. It's understandable. Well, in the next scene, we get a dead armadillo, just in case you forgot we were in Texas. (laughs) They're state animal. It's pretty much. I mean, do you ever think of armadillos anywhere else? I know we have them here, uh, but yeah, you just always assume they all live in Texas. I don't think I've ever made that connection before in my head. That armadillos are in Texas? Yeah. I mean, maybe it's because I used to live in Texas. That would make sense. Yeah, that's like a thing. Yeah, that would make sense because I've never been like, oh, an armadillo must be a Texan. Like, I just. I've never thought about those simultaneously. Okay. But it's good to know that they frequent there because I always wanted to hold one. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, we have them here. They're just not as common. But uh, good on you. Thanks. I'll take you to a zoo sometime. Oh, I thought you were going to say, I'll take you to Texas to get one. I was like, <laughs> yes. I'm so excited. Well, next we see uh, our young group of hooligans in a big old van. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is in a wheelchair and he has to stop to pee in a can. A peanuts can. Was it a peanuts can? It was. I, I wrote... thought it was like a coffee tin. I think it was a peanuts can. All right. Maybe he didn't have to pee that much. Peanut tin seems pretty small. Mm, I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> Why well, did I didn't expect you to measure? But uh, it's whatever. Uh, he doesn't get to do much anyway because a truck drives by and uh, blows. I guess from the wind, the whooshing of the truck. Yeah blows the wheelchair over and you don't want to laugh at it you feel like an asshole but you do it uh and franklin goes flying down the hill 
you assume with his willy whizzing in the wind. <laughs> his willy all willy-nilly. It's just not, you feel really bad until you eventually learn how unbelievably annoying Franklin is. Yeah. And you just don't care about anything that happens to him from that point on. <laughs> but at this point, we still feel sorry for him. But the kids have come to town along with many others to find out if their relative is one of the graves that uh, had been disturbed. But they find out their grandpa's grave is fine, so they're off again. Uh, and then they pass by a slaughterhouse for a little foreshadowing. And they, they got to go into graphic detail about how they used to slaughter cows and mm -hmm. pigs. And it's, it's nothing I want to be a part of. Yeah, they like immediately begin kind of like, they're like swapping stories, right? Talking about like things they've heard. Is yeah, it, kind when, of. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I always, uh, I always think that's funny when movies do that because it's. I've just never. That's never been a real life thing for me where I've been like. Oh. You don't sit around and talk about slaughterhouses <laughs> with your friends. Well, just any kind building. Of, like I don't how know what kind of friends do you have? <laughs> do you I, talk about? I'm just wondering if maybe I'm lacking on like local history or something because I'm thinking in my head and that's I've just never experienced that with a friend where I've been like, have you heard the rumors about that McDonald's over there off Twenty of Third Street? They they give you extra fries and that is where it's at because I just don't know a whole lot about what's going on. <laughs> well, that's all right. I'm not sad about it. I just, <laughs> I just think it's interesting. And I, I think it's funny because like you said, they do do that as foreshadowing. And so I think it's funny that they do it in that way. Cause to me, that's not a common way to bring up information. Like I would just rather like there be like a voiceover or something I don't know about that, but I I see what you're saying. Yeah. It is an absurd thing for people just to be sitting around and talking about. Yeah. Well, if their conversation topic is any indication, then you know they're not the, the uh, brightest bulbs in the package, because uh, now they make the brilliant decision to pick up a hitchhiker, which is never a good idea. Yeah, and they're like totally down for it, too. I think that's, I know that I wrote that um, down as like a point of concern like their immediate willingness to do it like that just seems so bizarre to me yeah she one of the girls in the car is really excited and actually like leans up to the drivers like hey there's a hitchhiker we mm -hmm. should pick him up yeah like they've been waiting all day for this <laughs> shit <laughs> hey finally there's one <laughs> like they've been playing lost and found all day trying to find one <laughs> well uh and they got the cream of the crop because he is as batty as the day is long mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and knows a lot about head cheese yeah again another weird subject he just he talks to him more about the i mean we're really stuck on this slaughterhouse thing and mm -hmm. talking about all the delicious things you can do with what's left over an animal mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he also has a lovely little squirrel purse <laughs> made out of a tiny animal of some sort mm -hmm. it's really cute for all these treasures yeah <laughs> All his treasures. His treasures. <laughs> uh, well, he, he really fixates on Franklin. And Franklin's over there just kind of messing with a little pocket knife. And the hitchhiker takes it from him and, like, cuts his arm, like, really bad. Mm -hmm. Like, not just accidentally, like, makes a purpose to cut his arm. Yeah, yeah. He gives Franklin back the knife. I'd be like, no, thanks. You, It's yours now. Um, and then he just asked to be dropped off at his house, but he invites him to dinner. Yeah. They politely decline. So then he takes a picture of Franklin and demands $2 for it. <laughs> it's like, I didn't ask you to take my fucking picture. I'm not, I'm not giving you the $2. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that's when, because he refused to pay, mm -hmm. that's when we find out old hitchhiker had 
a razor of his own tucked away in his little sake. And so that's when he slices Franklin. And now everybody's just freak the fuck out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Rightfully so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that I thought was funny during that altercation, and I, I wrote it down, was, you know, that the hitchhiker, yeah, like you said, cuts him, cuts him really bad. And the, I think it was Franklin said it out loud, um, that said like, oh my God, I'm half ready to call the cops. And my thought was like, you should be full ready. Like this guy has <laughs> now stolen your knife, stabbed you, is talking about head cheese and has a squirrel purse. Like there should be no half ready anything. At this point, drive him to the cops yourself. So like, <laughs> this is an issue. The dude just sliced you. <laughs> and uh, so they get him out of the van and he's pissed and he smears blood all over their van and then just starts blowing raspberries at him as they speed away. Because, mm-hmm. you know, that's that'll teach him. Yeah. As long as you give him the equivalent of the why I oughta, yeah. then uh, you're good to go. They'll learn. <laughs> well, next they arrive at probably the most famous barbecue spot in all of horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, in the movie, it's called We Slaughter Barbecue. It is a it's a real gas station. They really do serve barbecue there. Hopefully it's not people. Uh, <laughs> I want them to change their name to like not people barbecue. It's I, I think it's literally to this day just called the gas station. Just because that's how everybody knows it. It's oh. in the middle of freaking nowhere. That's funny. But people go there because of what it was. It yeah. was in this movie. But why why the kids are there, they ask the attendant where the old Franklin place is. But he is discouraging and says, eh, you probably don't want to go up there. So they get everything they need. They're getting ready to leave. And they notice that the hitchhiker guy smeared that blood on their van. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they, I think they kind of make the joke that they have been marked when indeed that's exactly what has happened. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, <laughs> they bought some barbecue. You never see them eat it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's implied that it gets eaten. And and we're going to come to realize that all this gas station is owned by... The family that we'll be meeting very soon, which includes the hitchhiker. Yeah. And it's, it's not really cows and pigs. No. Did, uh, did they got in the barbecue there? Yeah. It's one of, the, it's like this new brand, I can't believe it's not people. <laughs> <laughs> they just call it Soylent Green, which I think is still a little suspicious. Because <laughs> it, it's people. It's all just people. <laughs> I want to shirt this as I can't believe it's not people. <laughs> like so bad. I, I, you know, we with, might be able to make that happen. With just like a little uh, rack of ribs. <laughs> rack of ribs. I don't even eat ribs, but I think that would be funny. So despite the fact they are at a gas station, they are told that there is no gas at the gas station and they'd have to turn back. Uh, so they're like freaking out. They're worried about running out of gas. So, I mean, they're really trying to, you know, make sure they plan this out just right so they can get back to a gas station where they can get gas. So they do the responsible thing and they drive out to their old ancestor's property instead. Mm -hmm. They don't go get gas first. They drive all the way out here. (laughs) Because that makes a lot of sense. Makes the most sense. So they're exploring the house. There's a creepy swarm of daddy long legs. Again, it's another thing visually and audibly that has been used to just make you feel unnerved Mm -hmm. it's squeamish you see it and you hear that little creeping noise and you just you're just like oh god everything about this (laughs) 
I don't like and it needs to stop. Yeah. So poor Franklin is struggling a bit to get up into the house. And (laughs) the more he tries, the more frustrated he is getting. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he's just he's pissed that he is not a part of the group. Because all the other kids have run off and they're pairing off and they're having a good time and running around and he just is not a part of anything. So he too starts to blow raspberries. Yeah, he's like throwing a full on fit. So many raspberries are given in this Mm -hmm. movie. Which I think is such a bizarre reaction from adults. It really is. (laughs) I mean, I started to wonder if this was like a thing in the early 70s. Everybody just blew raspberries at each other. (laughs) I think if I ever was in any sort of altercation... And an adult did that to me. I would, I would just shake my head no and walk away. There would be no way that I. Could... Are you five? <laughs> I could not finish that. I would like partially want to laugh and then partially get even more angrier because I wanted to finish that fight and now you're being dumb and now I can't finish it because you're blowing raspberries. <laughs> well, two of the kids go off swimming, uh, or say they're going to go off swimming, and Franklin discovers a, a witch's hex. I don't. Was it like a spell? I don't know what it was. In the doorway? Yes. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I think it was. It was like on the porch? Yeah. It was because it was like a bird, right? I don't know. It was weird things put together. (laughs) Every time I see that movie or see this movie, excuse me, I can never make out what it is. Like visually, like uh, I even made note of it in my uh, notes to kind of ask you if it was a bird. (laughs) Because I was like, I can never make out what that object is but I, I know exactly what you're talking about yeah it just looks like something has been put there either for protection or as a warning mm-hmm. i don't know what it is yeah uh so the kids arrive at the swimming hole that isn't because it's all dried up uh but all is not lost because they see a house and think they can score some gas there as anybody would now we're worried about the damn gas station again <laughs> if you had just gone to get the gas before you went sightseeing yeah but anyway this is not the house you want to ask to borrow anything no it kind of looks like herschel's house from the walking dead oh yeah you're right i can see that i really expected him to come outside that would have been with young maggie a better house at that point for sure (laughs) different very different scenarios would have occurred we've had a different story so the kids walk up to the house and despite the fact that he finds a full-on fucking tooth on the front porch and hears pig squealing from inside, mm-hmm. he just walks in the fucking house. Like, who does that? Who just walks into people's house? Yeah. I know because I, I thought that too because even if they think it's abandoned, they're looking inside and you can clearly see that there's like, furn- I mean, granted, yes, it's a very dirty place. This place is not clean in any capacity. But it's clear that there's like furniture and stuff like that. I don't know. I just, it, it like you said, it just seems bizarre that he just sauntered in there like he owned the place without even knocking or. Exactly. And they expect people to be there because he thinks he can, you know, get some gas mm-hmm. from these people. Mm-hmm. But you're just going to walk in. I mean, I hear pigs coming from inside someone's house. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to pretend like I was never there. I will sneak off your porch and we will never talk about it again. Yeah, we don't have I to. I don't need to know what's going on in there. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, as anticipated, this is the biggest mistake of his life or what's left of it. And here he is. The man himself, Leatherface. Leatherface, the uh, man of the hour. Yeah, he appears in this back little... I, I, it's like this strange room thing at the end of the hall. I'm mm-hmm. like, is it a closet? Does it lead to another room? Is it an elevator? What is it? Because it has this big metal door on it. 
I don't know. But he comes out, he slams Kurt in the head, and that sound is horrific. And then he twitches. Like he's laying, oh, yeah. laying on the floor twitching. Kurt drops to the ground, and he is just flopping around. Mm-hmm. And it is so deliciously creepy. Yes, yeah. I, I even made notes about that, about how well done that scene is because yeah the twitching just puts it over the top about how genuinely creepy that kill scene is it's i mean it's our big introduction to leatherface so yeah the fact that we have this a little bit more dramatic kill scene than normal of this person twitching before they officially die basically is is really interesting and well done and i know that when i very first saw this movie i was like oh okay this is this is going to be that way all right got it (laughs) noted Well, yeah, and you know, and there's no blood here. No. So, again, it's one of those things that people interpret this as being much more gory than it is. Mm -hmm. It's extremely violent, Mm -hmm. no doubt. Uh, But, yeah, there's not really gore here. But the fact that he's, you know, whacked in the back of the head and then he just does this flopping thing. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like you said, that's really what pushes that over the top because it is terrifying to us to think of people being killed and murdered. It is even more terrifying to think that that person is going to suffer Mm -hmm. before he dies. Yeah. And the fact that he's sitting there twitching and flopping means he's been seriously injured, but he is just alive enough that he is completely aware of what is happening. Mm -hmm. And it ain't good. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that can be a good summation for the rest of the movie. The whole, like, it ain't good. (laughs) It ain't good. (laughs) And these, like, horrifically implied deaths, I think, is, like, a good way to describe this movie. Because, like you said, the gore isn't terrible, but the kills are are insane. And everything's Mm -hmm. implied. And it's, it's, yeah, it's crazy. And this is just the starting point. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) But here comes uh, Kurt's girlfriend. I'm sorry, I don't remember her name. Uh, So she comes in the house looking for him. And falls into what I call the chicken room. I, there's feathers everywhere. Mm-hmm. There are bones everywhere. There are chickens in cages. And here's where this movie is based on a true story. Because this entire room is based off Ed Gein's house. Mm-hmm. And Hooper lets us see every inch of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see all the furniture that indeed is supposed to look like it is made from human bone and flesh. And we see lampshades and we see tables and chairs and all of it is just dirty and grotesque. Mm -hmm. And again, it is unsettling. Yeah. And it's it's very chaotic because, I mean, you have the chickens that are, they're like making these sounds that almost sound like laughing just because it's so high-pitched and so loud within this kitchen. And then, like you said, the feathers everywhere and then, obviously the creepy skin furniture and everything it's just just like the beginning scene off the top when you're getting these flashes of here's this you know skin lampshade and then we're back at this girl and she's screaming because she's now realizing that she's in in danger and that thing isn't okay and then you know we scan over here and now we see that these chickens are freaking out there's like feathers flying in the air and this piece of furniture is made out of bone and everything it's just chaotic and it really again kind of turns up the dial and makes you feel anxious before we get another big scene. And I think that this movie just does that so, so well. Absolutely. You know, there is another, which I consider horror film called Eraserhead, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. directed by David Lynch. Uh, It was one of his first movies. I believe he was still a student at the time that he made this. I hate this movie with fiery passion Mm -hmm. just because I hate, I hate it for the subject matter. It makes me feel uncomfortable to watch it. 
But that's the whole point of the movie. Yeah. I, I wrote a whole essay about this, <laughs> about this movie one time, about how much I, I do not like this movie and how yeah. terrible I think it is. But that's what makes it brilliant because it did exactly what it was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And that was to make you feel uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And he used several techniques. And one of them is kind of the same thing that Hooper has done here in this movie, which is the use of sound. You know, in Eraserhead, there was this constant underlying low hum of machinery going on. Mm -hmm. It never relented. And sometimes you're not even conscious that it's still going on, but it's enough that it unnerves you. Yeah. And it just gives you that creeping feeling up the back of your spine. Mm -hmm. And the same thing Hooper did, there, there were a few songs that they had the copyright to that were included on on the soundtrack but the majority of the soundtrack for this entire movie contains no sound from musical instruments instead they use sounds that an animal would hear when they're inside a slaughterhouse hooper wanted you to feel like what was happening to you is what's happening to these kids which is very much like animals being brought to slaughter Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so he wanted you to feel that feeling of being trapped and having no control and you are just being funneled along to your death and there's nothing you can do to stop it Mm -hmm. and it's just so amazingly effective throughout this whole movie but yeah you really feel it in this damn chicken room Mm -hmm. whatever we want to call it because yeah she's freaking out and we spend a lot of time in this room for nothing to happen yeah yeah well, eventually Hooper <laughs> gets done with teasing us with this room and she runs out of the room just in time <laughs> for her to figure out that this is not where she wants to be. Mm-hmm. She runs out the front door. But here we have that classic scene. Everybody has seen it, whether you've seen this movie or not. It's the scene of her running out onto the front porch and right behind her is Leatherface and he grabs her around the waist and just pulls her back into yeah. the house. It's like so close, but yet so far. Yeah, just a little scoop. He just does a little scoop on her, takes her right back inside. (laughs) And he gets her down into what I'm assuming is their slaughter room. Mm -hmm. And she goes up on the meat hook. And But again, it's all implied. Yeah. It's not like you see this big meat hook come out through her chest. He's Mm -hmm. just, he lifts her up and just, you hear that, just Mm -hmm. that hook going through her back and you're like oh god yeah and she has to hang there screaming because it doesn't kill her right away while she watches her boyfriend kurt now get sliced up with a chainsaw yeah yeah i think that hook scene is so i mean i've obviously been raving this whole time but i think it's so well done uh i even made note of it talking about like you like you said you know we don't see anything we don't see the hook come through the chest we don't see blood dripping or anything like that we do get the sound of it going through but i think leaving that one as a implied death actually does it better because we're left to wonder like to me the very first time i saw that scene i remember like immediately physically reacting to it by like sitting up straight and kind of like ah like that that didn't feel good you know just empathizing with the person you're watching on the tv and like in my head i just envisioned like the hook going through like the spine and i was like that's why i can't see it come through the front and to me in my head i was like that's way worse and so i think leaving that up to interpretation and having the viewer be able to kind of 
envision how that scene looks from the back you know how that hook is is um basically hanging her holding her whatever mm-hmm. uh i think that that only helps the scene because like you said i think if it had just gone through the front yes that would be creepy and that would be terrifying but we've seen it before we've seen that whole you know gory bloody scene of it coming through the chest and then there's sure blood but running. not at this point not when this came out not in no. 74 no, audience hadn't seen that yet yeah yeah that is true so yeah i'm sure that would have been a shock at that time for sure but but still i think the scene didn't need it i think it's still just as awful oh yeah absolutely yeah and i honestly think i mean maybe at the time the the hook through the chest or the um you know gore would have been cool but i almost think as it aged it might have cheapened that scene a lot because a lot of times we do find that with older movies that sometimes the gore effects don't always age well Mm -hmm. um and so without that in this movie it doesn't have a chance to uh, you can't go oh my gosh that looks so fake exactly yeah exactly because we don't see it so to me even now when i watch that in in 2021 that bitch has a hook through her back and it's uncomfortable yeah and I'm sure that's how a lot of people remember it. I'm sure mm-hmm. a lot of people remember that scene as like she gets hung on this hook and it pops through the front. There's blood squirting everything everywhere. And that just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I chalk it up to the old uh, the Jaws syndrome. You know, the the shark didn't work. So we had to do everything we can to shoot around it. Yeah. But that ended up being the saving grace of that film because anytime you leave something up to the audience's imagination they're going to imagine things far worse Mm -hmm. than what you can get away with. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I I definitely think that that really benefited from those moments Mm -hmm. where he just couldn't push it that far because he (laughs) ridiculously was trying to get that PG rating. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) Obviously he was smoking a little bit of what he gave to Larroquette (laughs) because I don't know how he thought that was actually going to (laughs) happen. So now we're back at the van. We have another guy who's with the group. I just call him Sofa Shirt. I don't remember what his name was. His shirt is crazy. It looks like the pattern that should go on an old sofa. Is this our driver? Uh, yes. Okay. I love him only because I love his hair so much. The The blonde hair? Is this the blonde hair guy? No, he's the red hair guy. His is hair it like is... strawberry blonde? It might be. I think so, yeah. Okay. It's like super fluffy and he has really big sideburns, which obviously was just part of the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the whole time I was watching, I was like, man, I just, I want to touch his hair. And that's all I can focus on. And it's really detracting from <laughs> the fact that everybody's getting killed. So you were focused on his shirt. And I, I was. focused on his hair. It's, I couldn't get past it. <laughs> well, he decides he's now going to go off and look for Kurt. At this point, somebody should realize Kurt's not coming back. <laughs> Well, you know, it's it's been part of the day. Uh, Kurt and Pam, I think, was was Kurt's girlfriend's name. Uh, yeah. So so now, Sofa Shirt and his girlfriend are gonna go off for, to look for Kurt and Pam, which this leaves Sally and Franklin, who are brother and sister, back at the van alone. Mm-hmm. So old Sofa Shirt ends up at the house that we should not go to, but we continually do this. Mm-hmm. Just uh, let ourselves in, fuck yeah. knocking. And thanks, Kurt and Pam are just messing with him because he can hear, again, things inside. So he, too, just walks the fuck in the house. He's like, I can hear pigs and chickens. Obviously, these guys are messing with me. So. This, this is a party that I want to be a part of. <laughs> I'm coming in. Nobody's going to have a slaughterhouse party without me. Thank you very much. Well, the party favors are in the freezer, and it's Pam. Surprise! Uh, <laughs> Only take one. <laughs> and I, I don't know. Is she dead? Is this 
another flopping. I he he opens the freezer and she starts flopping around like a fish. Yeah, she like kind of doesn't she doesn't grab him, but she kind of lunges at him, right, a little bit. Yeah, it's like it's like her body just naturally wanted to sit up. So as soon as the freezer door is open, she just kind of boing pops yeah. up. Yeah, I wish that sound effects was in there. <laughs> that would have been amazing. <laughs> Yeah, and she just kind of like starts having a seizure or something. I don't know what's going on. It's not pleasant. Mm -hmm. But of course, this is enough of a ruckus that it brings Leatherface in and he chases Sofa Shirt, but he gets away and uh, Leatherface, he is upset. Yeah. And he uh, he sits down in the chicken room and just starts beating on his own head. He's just, things aren't good. You're not supposed to let him get away. Uh, but, But this is the first time we get a really good look at his face in quotations because mm-hmm. he's obviously wearing someone else's face another face he has a face over his face faceception and then you can see remember the goonies yes you remember sloth yes remember his teeth yes that's Leatherface's teeth they look exactly as soon as i saw it the other night i was like well that's sloth it might be sloth wouldn't this be a fantastic Way to tie those two movies together. It really would. Things have taken a turn for our cute little kiddos. All these young kids could have been saved if they just did the truffle shuffle. Exactly. Hindsight's twenty twenty. And Goonies never say die, so. They don't. And they also knock on doors. <laughs> they have a little bit of decency, okay? <laughs> well, night has fallen and Franklin and Sally are getting worried now they're getting worried they're like wow nobody's come back uh maybe we should go in the house and see if we come back (laughs) so franklin wants to leave and sally wants to go look for them but they took the keys so they're stuck there no matter what and this is the point if if you weren't fed up with franklin up to this point anyway it's at this point you just you just want that truck to come back and blow him down the hill again. <laughs> you just want to push him over. As he pees all over himself. He just, he's so irritating. Yeah. I mean, I suppose maybe if I had a sibling growing up, maybe I could, I'd get it a little more. But it just seems like that sibling never would have survived to adulthood if that had been my sibling. I have very many siblings and I can confirm that that would not be okay. <laughs> Well, finally, they make the decision, okay, they're going to go look for him. They don't have anything else to do. But Sally has to push Franklin's ass through the bushland of Australia, Texas, Mm -hmm. because that's what it's like. We're in the desert somewhere. Yeah. And she's having to push him uphill in sand. They finally get to the damn house, or at least in the vicinity of it. And surprise, here's Leatherface hanging out in the woods. Mm Mm-hmm. And Franklin gets stabbed through the chest with a chainsaw. And Sally screams her head off. Oh my gosh. And we get some nice blood splatter here. Mm-hmm. But no penetration. Mm-mm-mm. Nope. You do not see it go in. Nope. But it's still, you don't care. Because Franklin's dead and now he's going to shut up. Yeah, yeah. This scene is, uh, I know that I had made note of the fact that we're introduced to really our... our I guess, opening moment of having Sally be pushed in the final girl role. Uh, I mean, it's kind of something that we've been assuming thus far. Mm -hmm. But now watching her basically, like I said, scream her head off as Franklin is being murdered and we first see her begin to run away. That's when we kind of see that slide into place. And I think it's a, a good scene 
uh, I'm, I always love a good final girl scream. And so, yeah, having our first scene with her slide into that role is just having her scream. I'm like, great. Let's the rest of the movie just scream. That's all I need. <laughs> well, that's basically what she does. Yeah, honestly. Uh, well, Leatherface is now chasing Sally, and mm-hmm. she certainly has put herself in the position of our final girl. Mm-hmm. And she is running through the woods in this amazingly intense scene. Yes. And, I mean, she's getting all tangled in the vines, and Leatherface is chasing her, and he's cutting at branches and knocking them down, and she's screaming and falling down and getting up. You know, Marilyn Burns, the actress who played Sally, actually, they shot these scenes for a long time, and they really are running through these woods. Uh, And the whole time that uh, she's being chased by Leatherface uh, through that undergrowth, she actually cut herself several times on the branches. So a lot of the blood that you see on her body and her clothes is her own, and it's real. That's really dedicating yourself to the job. It, it really is. <laughs> but I mean... <laughs> Blood, sweat, and tears really went into it, literally. I mean, if if I saw Gunnar Hansen run after my ass with a chainsaw, <laughs> I'd, I'd be running like a son of a bitch, too. Oh, absolutely. He's, he's a very intimidating gentleman. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Just as, as sweet as the day is long, but uh, you get him in his, in his garb there. I, I wouldn't want to mess with that. Yeah. And, you know, even... He's such a big guy that even with... Uh, his full costume on, you know, all all the makeup and all the clothes and the apron and carrying a chainsaw. And even with all that and these big, heavy padded boots he was wearing, he was still able to run faster than Marilyn Burns. So he (laughs) he would have to like slow down to not catch up with her. And in some scenes, when you see him like stopping to chop trees and stuff, you think he's just being weird and crazy and getting frustrated because he can't chase her. But as an actor, he was trying to think of things to do to slow himself down so Mm. he'd stop catching up with her. Wow. So, but that's how, you know, imposing of a man that he is, that in full garb, he could still catch up to her. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, intense scene. I wonder if he gives good hugs. (laughs) Why? I mean, I would think they're quite awesome. Yeah. I think it'd be nice. Sans uh, chainsaw, of course. Either way. Depends on what you're into. <laughs> Go ahead and bring that in, big guy. T- turn it off at least, but bring it in. Bring it in. Well, of course, eventually Sally makes it to the house and she thinks she's found sanctuary, but instead finds what appears to be two corpses. Yes, but not so much. And again, this is the another scene where we have the chaotic music and sound effects. Uh, again, another point that I made note of the fact that we are in another chaotic scene with just a lot of sound going on with her running and it's just there's a lot again happening in this scene yeah it is crazy intense and she ends up running upstairs and comes across what she believes are two corpses just sitting in chairs we're gonna find out later that uh, the grandpa is actually still alive and kicking barely yeah (laughs) I mean maybe not so much kicking but it doesn't matter leatherface chainsaws his way into the house i guess he forgot his house key i don't know why he has to chop his own door down (laughs) yeah all right he just couldn't walk inside uh but he's still running after sally and she straight jumps out 
the motherfucking window. Yeah. No second thoughts. Just. Just. Uh, I don't blame her. Yeah. Oh, no. This woman lands with such a thud. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. The sound design in this movie is absolutely amazing. Yes. Though, of course, this just leads right into yet another incredible chase scene with Sally and Leatherface. And she makes her way back to the barbecue gas station where they were at earlier. And once again, she thinks she has found salvation, but he kind of wants to tie her up and put her into a potato sack. (laughs) It happens. I mean, you know, what are you going to do? I can't tell you how many times I've looked at you and said, if I could put you in a potato sack. (laughs) If I could just get you in a potato sack. (laughs) (laughs) But she's not having it, and she fights back. And he starts whacking her with a broom. Like slaps the shit <laughs> out of her. I mean, full on it whacks the shit so out of her. so aggressive. Like that whole scene with the broom. I'm just like, ow, my guy. <laughs> like calm the fuck down. Well, he finally gets her knocked out and ties her up and puts a bloody nasty old rag in her mouth. I was just like, oh my God, that has so many diseases mm-hmm. on it. He bags her up, throws her in the truck, and takes off. And the whole time he's driving, he's poking her with that damn broom and laughing Mm -hmm. his ass off. He loves that broom, man. He's a loon. He's a broom loon. He's a broom loon. (laughs) Fucking broom loon. He's a fucking broom loon, dude. Well, just before he pulls up at the house, he runs into the hitchhiker, who turns out to be one of his sons. And dad is pissed because he's been grave robbing and got caught. Kind of. I mean, they don't know who did it, but it's all over the news. Yeah. And he's not supposed to be doing that because it just, you know, brings unwanted attention. And how are you going to chop people up for your barbecue? (laughs) Exactly. If they're coming after you for grave robbing. Yeah. So they get Sally into the house and dad starts to yell at Leatherface for what he did to the door. And Leatherface sounds like um, when Monty Python would play female characters. You know, it's got that. Oh, that high-pitched. He talks like this. This is Leatherface's voice. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry, father. Uh-huh. It's exactly how he starts. I'm like, what? <laughs> Do I not remember that he talked like that before? Yeah, yeah. Was this added in later? I like it. It was crazy. <laughs> I love the um, juxtaposition of it. How <laughs> giant he is and how little yeah. the voice is. And he's just really dainty. It's chef's kiss. It's the perfect pairing. I would be disappointed if his voice was like way down here and he was like super giant. I love that it's so high pitched. I want to hear him say, like, my name's Leatherface. I'm going to chop you up but in that voice. <laughs> I'm going to knock you silly with my chainsaw. From room. Better run. <laughs> so the hitchhiker ties up Sally and is then sent upstairs to get old grandpa. To get pappy. Oh, boy. So grandpa arrives, and it turns out Sally wasn't invited to dinner. She is dinner. In the form of her finger is sliced and fed to grandpa. I genuinely hate it. Oh, it is so gross. I hate it so. My notes say the grandpa finger sucking scene is a huge nope for me. Oh, it is... It is quite possibly one of the most (laughs) unnerving things. I mean, here we've seen people stuck on hooks, Mm -hmm. get whacked to where their body just flops around. We've Mm -hmm. seen them stabbed in the chest with a chainsaw. But yet this, this right here is is what's going to undo me. It's horrible. 
just disgusting. Yeah, I hate it. Well, Sally doesn't take kindly to it either. She freaks the hell out and, as one should, passes right the fuck out. Uh, when she comes to, all of a sudden she's reminded of where she is and she just starts screaming, as one should. Yeah, I'm rightfully <laughs> so. I mean, can you imagine waking up going, oh my God, it was a bad dream. Holy fuck, I wasn't. Oh, no. I absolutely could not. She's having a bad day. I would simply pass away. <laughs> just be like, let me do this for you. <laughs> I feel like I have to call it quits. So I'm done. Thank you so much for having me. I hope my finger was good. Good night. <laughs> well, of course, all of her screaming is for naught, and the family wants to let her know that. So they all start screaming with her uh, just as loud as they can, reminding her and the audience that we are out in the middle of nowhere mm -hmm. and no one is coming to save her. Yeah. And, and that's another way that Hooper really keeps reminding you that there is no salvation here mm -hmm. there's there's you are out in the middle of nowhere you are running out of gas you don't know where you are there are people after you everywhere you go you know she tries to run back to the gas station and mm -hmm. that's bad too just everywhere you go there's nothing that's going to get you out of the situation mm -hmm. and he just does this amazing job at making you feel helpless. Yeah. Like you start to believe there's there's no hope for anybody here. I'm mm -hmm. just watching all these people go to their slaughter. Well, unfortunately for Sally, her night's not over yet. And not only did Grandpa get a little sucky sucky, uh, he also gets the honor of smashing Sally's skull. Uh, but don't worry. He is the absolute best killer there ever was. And it won't hurt a bit. Not at all. It'll be fine. It'll be painless but of course that's wrong and sally is fighting tooth and nail as they try and position her over a bucket and they keep trying to give the hammer to grandpa to whack her in the back of the head but he keeps dropping it and they keep putting it back in her hand and she's squirming and trying to get free and she's got three different people trying to hold her down and they're handing him the hammer and he keeps lifting the hammer up and then he'll lift it up and then kind of like plop it on the back of her head. But mm -hmm. you hear it and it makes that thud sound. And you're just like, oh, my God. And he's like not doing it hard enough to really kill her. But he's doing major damage. And it goes on for so long. And it is so realistic and terrifying. And Marilyn Burns acts the shit out of this scene. I mean, you would believe that Toby Hooper is really trying to have her killed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, this, it's so unsettling. I'm genuinely curious if she had um, like a voice after filming this because of all the screaming she did. And I don't know how she could have. Yeah. Because you know they didn't do everything in one freaking take. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like all the screaming, all the crying that she had to consistently do and and running which just makes you breathe harder and everything i just i imagine like for a week solid afterwards she was just sorry just notebooks can't talk i only have to write all notebooks well believe it or not somehow sally gets free and jumps out another goddamn window i mean that's gotta be a record two none, windows in one movie none of these people like front doors <laughs> well, I mean, if that's your the easiest way to get out from this house, I'll take whatever exit I can get. Mm -hmm. But yeah, an, another interesting thing is, of course, Hooper got stunt doubles to do the actual jump out the windows. But she still filmed her landing where she'd come in and just kind of jump up and then l make it look like she's landing. 
and then happened to actually like really injure herself <laughs> just filming that one little spot. So this poor girl has been through it. Yeah. I well, hope she got more than a joint. <laughs> I hope so too. At least a blunt. <laughs> Uh, but of course she's not safe yet because here comes the hitchhiker and Leatherface. Hitchhiker catches up and starts repeatedly slashing at her back Mm -hmm. with a knife Mm -hmm. as she's running. And Sally has managed to, uh, run to the road and lo and behold, a semi is coming at just the right moment. And Hitchhiker is run over by the truck and we full on see it. We see him get smacked and him go under the wheels Mm -hmm. and it's the first, it's not bloody and you can tell it's a mannequin yeah, <laughs> or a dummy. But still, the payoff of seeing this piece of shit that we've just been <laughs> trying to get away from, you know, for the past hour and a half, just go under, you know, half of them 18 wheels is, it was pretty satisfying moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it, it's just such a gleeful moment. We don't care if it looks fake. We're just so happy that he's dead. Uh, But this brings the truck to a stop and Sally gets inside because now Leatherface is after her swinging that chainsaw around. But the driver jumps out of the truck on the other side. He's like, I don't want no fucking part and whatever lovers thing y'all got going on here (laughs) because y'all are into some kinky shit. And perhaps we need to utilize our safe word because things (laughs) have gotten out of hand. Another thing I have to say is that this was a pretty big rarity But lo and behold, we get the black man to save the day in a horror movie. Mm -hmm. I actually made note of that as well. That, especially back, you know, in the 70s and 80s, that was always the thing. Anytime there there was a black character, Mm -hmm. they're killed off pretty damn quick. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, he doesn't get to be a, a character throughout the whole movie, but he sure as hell gets to come in in the end and save the day. Yeah, he runs out of the truck. So does she. They're running away from Leatherface. But this man turns around and chunks a pipe wrench at Leatherface's head. Doesn't kill him, but it's enough that he falls back and his own chainsaw cuts into Leatherface's own leg. Mm -hmm. And that is just enough time for Sally to jump in the back of a, a, a pickup truck is now driving by and slows down enough that uh, she jumps in the back. (laughs) Our truck driver, uh, has since just he just kept running he's like fuck y'all i'm just i'm gonna he's probably still running today oh yeah legend has it he's still running <laughs> and i don't blame him a bit yeah yeah uh but yeah she gets in the back of a pickup and is screaming and yelling is just covered in this dry caked on blood mm-hmm. and the look of sheer terror on her face as this pickup pulls away and then we turn around and we see Leatherface again and he is let one other person now get away and he is furious with himself mm-hmm. and he just starts out of frustration just starts spinning that chainsaw yeah. around and it's just this classic moment mm-hmm. and we get our final girl she yeah. survives yeah yeah the scene with the our final girl in the back of this truck is is one of my favorites uh, because like you said, the look in her eyes is, is terror, but she's also got these, this look of like, I mean, she's grinning at the same time, like this look of, you know, like success, shock, like she's going, she's finally like, I think, computing all of this of what, what just happened. And the fact that she's in a safe spot, 
you kind of get this weird feeling of relief, but at the same time, again, what the fuck just happened? Because this movie isn't very long at all. It's fairly short and there's so much packed into it. Um, and when, and like you said, we're left with the scene of our final girl just kind of maniacally laughing in the back of this truck caked with blood in, in disbelief. We have our, our killer dancing in the sunset with his chainsaw, just really feeling his his self you know he's got the moves like jagger and we, we can't help but love him <laughs> and it's such an interesting last scene and in that scene of her in the truck especially is so infamous now uh, especially if, you know her kind of like laughing there and i i really adore that scene uh of her as our final girl just because of how she does that scene so well like i said and kind of i don't know just emoting how I think anybody would really feel in that moment of relief, but also, like I said, fear and shock. And she just does a really good job. Oh, yeah. I mean, kind of that last moment of the screaming combined with laughing, combined with crying. It's just kind of like it's been so much. It's overload and her body just doesn't know how to react. Mm -hmm. She, She wants to be relieved because this is the first time she's felt like, she could possibly be safe. Mm-hmm. But yet every time she's thought that she's gotten away has been safe before it's yeah. been thwarted. So yeah, it's just, uh, she, she really did a phenomenal job mm-hmm. in this movie. And quite frankly, you know, she doesn't have a whole lot of lines. There's not a whole lot of dialogue from our main characters at all. It's mostly, you know, this cr- crazy talk from our, our family and just kind of, plot points here and there from Mm -hmm. our regular characters to keep this thing moving forward but the majority of her script was you know sally screams yeah (laughs) pretty much (laughs) that was her direction (laughs) scream some more and then also scream some more all right well i think it's time to get to some prompts so what do you got as your popcorn spiller what was your favorite scary moment so for me, I wrote down um, just that first scene with Leatherface coming out of that little hallway area with that like metal door. And then our first kill question mark, um, maiming of our twitchy guy. Mm-hmm. Just that first scene of really getting introduced to Leatherface as our killer and also um, just getting to see the extent of how he just gives no fucks. Whether you're dead or not, you're going to be his project basically and he'll finish you at his own pace and in his own time and i just think that's a really good introduction scene to leatherface so uh that's what i put down as my popcorn spiller just because like i said leatherface uh, in his introduction so good and then that twitching just ugh, so creepy how about for you what was your popcorn spiller well i would say probably back when i saw this originally absolutely when leatherface first comes out scary as shit you're mm-hmm. just you're already uneasy. You're not expecting him to pop out then. And, oh, yeah, that that kill with just that twitching is so unnerving. But for me now, re-watching it, I really have to say it's when Grandpa tries to kill Sally. Yeah. It is so brutal. Mm-hmm. And just the way that it just goes on for so long. And you're like, oh, for God's sake, please just someone put her out of her yeah. misery. <laughs> And it's just so torturous. And the sounds that it's making. Mm-hmm. I mean, you hear it when the hammer hits the back of her head every time. And it's just, it is so unnerving. And it it gets me. It really got me when we watched it the other night. I was like, oh, I, I didn't remember it being that intense. Yeah, yeah. 
and just watching it, I was like, God, this is so hard to watch. <laughs> it, it really is. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I hate to say realistic. I've never seen someone get their <laughs> yeah. head bashed over a bucket before, but I mean, it really felt like something horrible was happening. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just real enough to give you the heebie-jeebies. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I get that for sure. What was your scene stealer? Well, you know, normally we save scene stealer to to, to kind of be our favorite character. Uh-huh. Who, who did we enjoy the most? But for me, I'm utilizing it in this one as who did I really think was the scene stealer? Same. I did the same. And I really... <laughs> I almost went with Sally just because, I mean, she is absolutely freaking amazing in this whole thing. Mm -hmm. But I had to give it to Franklin. Hear me out. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Because there's nothing that's likable about him. But he is so effectively annoying. Yeah. That when he finally dies, you're happy about it. And that's, I mean, that has to say something Mm -hmm. to how he played that character. You know, he's supposed to be annoying. It's supposed to be irritating. And they're put out by this, you know, this kid. He's kind of a bother. And you feel bad because he's in a wheelchair. But yet he's so freaking irritating. And he did it so well that by the time he dies, you're like, fuck yes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We don't have to put up with that anymore. And that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I agree. He uh, he comes into play later on into my list. Um kind of similarly for the same reason but uh we'll get into that in a couple of questions (laughs) all right so who was your scene stealer well like i said similarly to you i kind of went with which character annoyed me the most i guess for lack of better words and so i just wrote down i said it's a tie between our gas station guy and the hitchhiker and for me it's because they're both simultaneously like so loud and obnoxious And I don't know if this is something that our listeners know or not, but I'm actually super sensitive to sound. Uh, Like if there's a lot of sounds happening all at once or just one really loud sound, it can kind of freak me out and it just is is overwhelming to me. So I don't know if that has a lot to do with it or not, but every time that these characters are, are on the screen for me and they're constantly like yelling or, you know, at the table scene when they're basically like mocking Sally by yelling back at her and stuff like that. They just automatically steal the scene because that's what they're effective at doing is getting underneath the viewer's skin by, uh, you know, being loud or talking over people or just being obnoxious or gross or blowing raspberries at people, whatever the, <laughs> the case may be. They just do an effective job at stealing the scene and making the attention all about them. And I think that they, they do that really well. Mm-hmm. And we get more of that from the hitchhiker because I think he's in the movie a little bit more. But the times that we're introduced to the gas station guy, I think he does it just as well. It's, uh, it's that fucking broom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, they kind of tied on that one for me just because they both do such a good job at kind of stealing the the shots whenever they're there being themselves. <laughs> well, all right. So what was your favorite gorgasm? Uh, finger scene, hands down. Only because, and I know it's not like crazy gory or anything like that. Uh, we've just talked about this category kind of falling into what uh, we think is an effective gross moment. Um, and, and for me, I think it's that scene. There isn't a lot of things that have to go into it. 
besides the fact that this old man is sucking on this chick's finger and I'm uncomfortable with it. <laughs> um, and I think that's effective. Like, like we've said time and time again throughout this movie, it hasn't taken a lot of blood. It hasn't taken a lot of, you know, kill shots and graphic scenes for this movie to be effective and being gross. And, and that scene alone proved it to me is just this old guy is being creepy and sucking on this chick's finger. And I don't like it. Yeah. So yeah, that was an easy pick for me. And it's, it's, synonymous with this movie for me just because it is such a unique scene it's one of the first scenes that comes to my head when I think about this movie and so for me I think that only speaks to how well it's done Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah that scene is uh, as much as I hate to put it with the word gorgasm that's that's what it is for me I I I get it there there (laughs) certainly isn't any major blood I mean you see her finger gets a little cut so you Mm -hmm. see a little bit of blood there but Nothing, anything over the top, no major makeup effects or anything had to be done here. I will say that uh, the the makeup effects on, on Grandpa are, are, are pretty bad. It, yeah, it, it looks like a mask to me, a mm-hmm. rubber mask. Mm-hmm. It's the one complaint I've ever had about this movie is, yeah. is it looks so bad. But for me, my favorite Gorgasm moment has got to be those two corpses that look like they're fused together at the beginning of the mm-hmm. movie sitting on the... I guess they're perched on top of a, a gravestone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's really, really effective that this is the first thing we're really seeing. Yeah. Is this horrifying, I mean, they almost look like burn victims. Mm-hmm. And and I guess it was probably supposed to be that these are, you know, recently deceased and are in some sort of state of decomposition. But it really does look like they had both been burned. So I don't know if you'd actually set them on fire or what. But it's a really effective way to let your audience know, hello, this is the beginning of my movie. And this is what you're in for. If mm-hmm. you don't like it, leave now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I think that's uh, doing it off the top like that only makes it more effective. I, I don't think it would have been as effective if it was like, you know, in the end credits or even even just kind of as a montage scene as in the middle. I think it going off the top, like you said, to kind of give viewers a, a forewarning as to what's to come. I think it, it does a really good job. So what was your memorable mortality for this movie? Well, mine might be like fudging it a little bit because I can't say for sure that this caused her direct death. But she certainly wasn't coming back from it. Uh, but it's when Pam gets hung up on that hook. Yeah, yeah. It's such a gory moment for a scene that doesn't have any gore in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you see a little bit of gore because you see Kurt laying there on the table and he does get kind of cut up. But you don't see a lot of that. That's kind of off to the side a little bit. But yeah, it's that whole what you invent in your head. You think that scene is so bad because you watch someone get hung on a hook. Mm-hmm. But you never actually see them hung on a hook. Yeah, yeah. And uh, just the fact that it was so effective without having to make it overly gory is is incredible. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. I love that scene so much. So what was yours? For me, this is where um, Franklin's death comes to play. And it's it's memorable to me. And not so much because he's an annoying character, which he is. But for me, it had a lot to do with... Again, like I mentioned before, our, our introduction to Sally as our final girl. Again, it's the screaming scene. I don't know what it is. I love a good final girl scream. And because we're here being introduced to her, I mean, we've been introduced to her in the van and everything, and she's been a character thus far. But this is where, I mean, we have a full camera shot of 
looking up at her while Franklin's kind of in the bottom of the screen, just being like sliced and diced by Leatherface. And she's just like looking down with her hands, like moving all over her face and she's screaming and it's just dramatic and crazy. And I was thriving during that scene. And so I just, I love that introduction to her. I love that we're now killing off an unfavorable character. And, and now we get to see Leatherface kind of uh, at his full peak because thus far we've just kind of seen these kind of mini kills and now mm-hmm. we're really getting into the thick of like what Leatherface is really all about and also our back characters which is the rest of the family and we're like I said just getting into the thick of it and so I think there's lots of turn points in this movie but this is another big one where we're going to figure out really who these people are. Yeah it's definitely the turning point mm-hmm. in the film because it, from that point on, it's pretty much balls to the wall. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, up to this point, yeah, we've had some kills, but, you know, we have other scenes where it cuts and the action kind of slows down. Yeah, yeah. Whereas once this happened, once Franklin dies and Sally becomes our sole survivor, it, uh, yeah, it is intense mm-hmm. and it does not stop. Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, that's going to bring us to our big question. Put it in the vault, leave it in the dead zone. We got to put it in the vault, slam the door, leave it there. I mean, how can you not put this in the vault? It's got to go in there. Such a phenomenally fun movie. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, if anything, for the fact that it's so action-packed, for the fact that it it was, I mean, so well done in the fact that it became so memorable and so famous on such a small budget, and the fact that some guy got paid with a joint, that's amazing. (laughs) There's just there's just so much about this movie that I feel like uh, really opened up a lot of doors in the horror world and obviously created a huge franchise, although not always resulting in the best of movies. But it is a huge franchise and, and Leatherface is such an iconic killer in the horror world. And yeah, I, I think it would be a disservice to, to leave it in the dead zone. So yeah, I, Texas... Chainsaw Massacre, uh, it has to go in there. It absolutely does. If for no other reason than what you said just now, which was the fact that Leatherface is is such an iconic character. When you think about, you know, if you think back to early horror and the universal monsters, you had your your Draculas, you had your Wolfman, uh, the Invisible Man, the Creature, Mm -hmm. the Mummy. So you had your big heavy hitters. Nowadays, when people look back in what's considered early horror, like the 70s and 80s, you have your Freddies, you have your Jasons, you have your Leatherface. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's just one of those classic characters. Yeah. And just for that alone, it deserves to go in, in the vault. But it's just such a phenomenally fun horror movie to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I, I really think that it's one of those movies that and I think we talked about it off the top, people inherently think is is more gory than it is. And I think that people tend to stray away from it because of that, which I completely understand. Gratuitous score isn't always my favorite, especially if it's not done really well. And, and I hate that because I feel like I wish more people would watch this movie just for the insanity of it all. This movie is just pure chaos. It's mm-hmm. it, You're not going into this movie thinking you're going to learn anything great or learn any big life lessons or you know anything like that it's just chaos the whole time and and it's fast-paced it's ashen-packed it's fun we have this kind of like like you said these nobodies basically from that local area but they did a damn good job like the, the whole cast just does a good job and yeah it's just 
it's one of my favorites so that's my vote <laughs> well i'm right there with you i i'm not gonna argue with you into the vault it goes slamming the door Well, that's going to do it for us. Episode number five is... In the can. In the can. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Dead Zone Drive-In on your favorite listening platform. And if you're looking for a way to support us, we would be so grateful if you would leave a rating and or review. And if you screenshot that review and send it to us, we're going to send you your very own dead zone drive-in sticker for free that's no money's honey you can find us on facebook instagram and twitter or you can email us at deadzonedrivein at gmail.com and if you're wanting to reach us by snail mail our address is p.o box 12665 oklahoma city oklahoma 73157 we'll be sure to pick it up while we're driving through our hometown also, don't forget to check out the Linktree URL in our show notes to check out our socials and our letterbox to keep up with all the movies we're watching. And lastly, be sure to seek us out next week as we'll be watching Night of the Living Dead. Yes, it's about time we got some zombies up in here. Yes, I'm excited. And remember, if you're looking for the Dead Zone and want to join us for a weekend showing, or if you just want to check out our amazing house band, Slime and the Maggot Boob, if you've listened to this episode in its entirety... You'll have been provided with all the information you need. Don't forget your tickets. Good night, folks, and please buckle up. We'll be waiting for you. Uh, monkeys? I like them. They're cute. They're very cute. <laughs> Except when they do the poo flinging. Yeah, nobody likes a poo flinger. <laughs> That's why I didn't get dates in high school. I have that one shirt that says Pooflinger and it has that arrow that points at you. <laughs> For a minute, I thought you were serious. I was like, why have I never seen this shirt? Do I not pay attention when you wear it? Obviously I mean, it's not. true, but... You're too busy slinging your poo. <laughs> you should get one that just says, this girl, am I right? Just constantly thumb over at me. <laughs> to everybody i'm <laughs> just like okay yeah sure okay she seems quirky she's just walking i don't know why we're like at a restaurant and just drinking your waters i think they're like yeah waitress walks up this girl am i right <laughs> i guess so does it affect my tip <laughs> what if she was like no thank you <laughs> she doesn't even make sense in contact <laughs> What? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just going to back away slowly. <laughs> My manager will be over in a moment to ask you to leave. <laughs> and I just continue sitting there going, I don't know what's going on. Do I get to eat? <laughs> Where can I fling this poop? <laughs>